Happy All Saints Day. I'm Chad Bowen, and I have the privilege of pastoring Moore Memorial United Methodist Church here in Winona. Today, the church remembers all those who've died in the faith, those who've been made holy by God's grace. We call them saints. If you'd like to join us in person for worship sometime soon, we're gathering at 9 and 11 in our sanctuary, which sits at the intersection of Quitman and Magnolia Street in downtown Winona. We're wearing masks and keeping our distance, and we'd love to have you worship with us. Our youth are hosting a rummage sale this coming Saturday in our Family Life Center from 7 a.m. to noon. We'd love for you to stop by and see what treasures you can find. Our monthly newsletter, More Notes, was mailed at the end of last week. If you haven't received a copy through snail mail or the email and would like to receive one, let us know in the church office. In the meantime, you can look it up on our website. We hope that our church members will pay special attention to the information about the Executive Council, which we'll be talking about at our upcoming Charge Conference, and we'll be hosting a meeting tonight in the Family Life Center about that proposal. Or if you have questions some other time, you can contact us in the church office. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. Before we jump into the service today with the sermon uh, and the scripture readings and all of that, I want to talk to you a little bit about what today is. Today is All Saints Day. Uh, And today is the day that we remember the lives of the saints and the ways that they have shown us the light of Christ in the ways that they have lived. I'm going to talk about that a little bit in our sermon today, but I wanted to spend just a minute acknowledging what it is that we do today. You may know that yesterday was Halloween. It gets its name from All Hallows' Eve, uh, which is the day before All Hallows, the day before all of the Holy Ones all of the saints. And on this day, on November 1st, the church has historically celebrated the lives of those who have died in faith. We grieve that they aren't with us, and we celebrate. We celebrate that in their lives, we have seen the light and the life of God at work through their activities, through the transformation that God has wrought in their lives, through the ways that they have discipled us and brought us along in the faith, taught us how to live as those who are called by God to live as his children. And so we celebrate that today. We do that in a few ways. We read the names of church members who have died in the last year, and we ring a bell uh, in honor of their life, and we light a candle as a sign of the way that their lives shone Christ's life for us. Um, And we also allow um, and invite church members who are grieving uh, to light candles for those in their families or their friends or others who've died before the last year who've shown the light of Christ to them as a way of acknowledging our grief and the hope that we have in the gospel. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about what we do on All Saints Day, but I also wanted to take this time to teach just a little bit about funerals, which is not something that we talk a whole lot about And usually uh, we find ourselves a little bit surprised to be planning a funeral and to not know what it is that we're doing. So I want to tell you what the purpose of a funeral is, and I want to tell you about a couple of practices that you may or may not know about uh, in funerals that are faithful things for us to do as Christians or to at least consider as we think about what it looks like to have a good funeral uh, that we plan for ourselves or that we plan for others. So first, what do we do in a funeral? The first thing that we do in a funeral is we grieve. And this is contrary to a lot of the the thrust of popular culture. We're inclined to say we don't want a, a funeral to be sad. We want it to be a celebration of life. And that is true. 
That's the second thing that we want to focus on. But the first thing that we do at a funeral is acknowledge the loss that we've experienced because of the fact that the one that we loved and the one who has shown Christ's love to us in a powerful way is no longer with us, that they have breathed their last breath in this pre-resurrection body on earth. And that's sad. And it's important for us to acknowledge that. We don't stop there. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. We lean in further than that. And we acknowledge in this individual how it is that God has shown his life to us through him, how their lives have been a witness to Christ's love, how their lives have been a testimony to God's steadfast faithfulness, to God's power to transform them, to God's life and movement through them to bring others to Christ, how their lives only make sense in the light of the gospel. And finally, the thing that we do at funerals, because we do it in every worship service, is we speak to the way that our lives fit into the whole gospel. We remember the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that Jesus has been raised from the dead as the firstborn from the dead, and that that means that we have hope too, that we will be called forth from our graves, that we will be reunited to Christ, and that we will live with God in glory forever. These things we cling to at funerals, the fullness of the promises of God, the ways that God's light has been evident in the life of the one who died, and our grief that we offer to God as a part of expressing our hope for his faith and faithfulness and life to come. A couple of things that we do at funerals that you may or may not know about um, is one, the way that we acknowledge the presence of the body and and the life that they have found in Christ is through a pall. We have this pall that's a little bit smaller. Uh, it's made to cover an urn. Um, but we also have a larger pall that's made to cover a casket. Uh, we have both because we think that both cremation and uh, burial are faithful ways for Christians uh, to, uh, to wait for the calling of God and the resurrection of the dead. Um, but a pall is particularly a Christian practice that allows us, whether we're poor, paupers, unable to afford flowers, or the wealthiest person in the community, to recognize that we are all one and equal in Christ, and that we are coded in Christ. So Paul is always white, uh, and it always has a cross on it to show the ways that we ourselves are entrusted in our baptism to Jesus Christ. And so if you want to have a Paul at your funeral, that's a very appropriate thing to do, and I'd highly encourage you. We even have a nice uh, stole that matches our Paul for funeral occasions. The other thing I want to talk about is how funerals appropriately involve the whole church. Uh, sometimes we think of funerals as private affairs, and we've certainly in this season of coronavirus had to keep funerals smaller or, or have them outside to keep people safe. Uh, but in ordinary times, it's important that we make space for the whole church to participate in funerals, to remember the lives of those who've died, those who've made promises for us at our baptism, that they would raise us in the life of faith, that they would pray for us, that they would disciple us to be with us all the way through 
to the end. So it's fully appropriate to have funerals in the sanctuary building, not just in the funeral home, though it's okay to do that too. Um, But it's wonderful uh, if we can have a funeral in the church building uh, to acknowledge the ways that God has shaped the life of the one who's died throughout their entire life, from the time when they were baptized until the time of their death, God has been with them, and not just with them individually, but through the life of the whole congregation, as God has moved through them to shape this saint. So these are a couple things I wanted to share with you about funerals and about, uh, about All Saints Day before we begin our sermon for the day. I pray that God blesses you on this All Saints Day. Let's pray. O God who gave us birth, you're ever more ready to hear than we are to pray. You you know our needs before we ask. You know our ignorance in asking. Give to us now your grace that as we shrink before the mystery of death, we may see the light of eternity. Speak to us once more your solemn message of life and of death. Help us to live as those who are prepared to die. When our days here are accomplished, enable us to die as those who go forth to live, so that living or dying, our life may be in you, that we might remember that nothing in life or in death will be able to separate us from your great love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from John's first letter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Hear this word. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him For we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope purify themselves just as he is pure. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson this morning comes from the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning in verse 16. I invite you to hear that word this morning. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee into the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always, to the end of the age. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What will they say? What will there be to be said about you? At your funeral. If we, if we think about dying, which the truth is that you probably don't give it a second thought if you're young and think of yourself as healthy, but if you think about dying, I would imagine that this is one of the most natural thoughts. 
How will our lives be spoken of when they're over? There's something about death that puts life and the trivialities of life in proper perspective. In fact, it's a gift that All Saints Day falls so closely to Election Day because it might just help us keep the rest of the madness in perspective. Some people think that this conversation itself is morbid, that we should never talk about death. In fact, it's been widely observed that no one dies, that no one dies anymore, at least not in how we talk about it or if you read the obituaries. People don't die. They pass away or they cross over to their eternal home or with great category confusion they get their angel wings. Most of us are not very comfortable talking about death and certainly thinking about our own death. Though there are exceptions to the rule, there was one faithful parishioner and brewer, a healthy man in his 60s, who every week, every week updated his funeral information as a matter of course, including even changing his pallbearers week to week depending on how those relationships were going. He let his family know where they could find the note on his phone if the occasion arose that they needed it. Some people never want to think about death, and other people are quite comfortable with it. But whether we're comfortable or uncomfortable talking about death or even uncomfortable thinking about it, there's a sort of reckoning that comes with thinking of death and its seeming finality. The kind of reckoning that makes us ask the question, I wonder what they'll say about me at my funeral. But today I'd like to take that question and redirect it just a little bit. Because as Christians, the question of our lives is not what people will say about us, but what our lives say about God. How God's life in us testifies to his power and his majesty and his goodness. I want you to think about today what will, folks have, what will folks be required to say about God at your funeral because of the way that your life is intelligible only through the light of the gospel. That if they tried to extract your life from your relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, none of it would make any sense. I want to know what does your life say about God might have seemed like we started in a morbid place today, but that is not where we'll end. Because the whole point of All Saints Day is to look at death square on and say, God is bigger than death. We don't have to deny death or the black hole of grief that it leaves in our lives with the empty chair in our house or the phone that's not going to ring or the laughs that we don't get to share, or the memories that somehow both comfort and cut us. Christians don't have to pretend like death doesn't hurt, because we know that despite all of its implied finality, death doesn't get the final say. God does. So we can embrace the deep chasm that death leaves in our lives without despairing. We can grieve and we can mourn, but not as those who have no hope. 
We started in a morbid place today, but that's not where we're going. Where we're going is the reality that you too can be a saint. Today on November 1st, we celebrate All Saints Day. We celebrate all of those saints who have died in the Lord and that we trust will be with the Lord for all of eternity and all of his glory and light and beauty and strength. And you too can be a saint. Yes, you. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, then God can make you and me a saint. John says it so beautifully. See what love the Father has for us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are children of God. And even though the world can't see it, we shouldn't be surprised, because the world didn't recognize Jesus either. You are beloved. And you and I, by the power of the gospel, by the grace offered to us in our baptism, by the life that he has brought to us through our death to the flesh, are alive in God. We are loved. We are God's children. We are heirs to the fullness of his promises. What we will be in all of our entirety hasn't been revealed yet. But when Jesus shows up, we are going to look like him. And we will see him rightly as he truly is. And this is our hope, to look like Jesus and to see him well. That's what it means to be a saint. And it is possible for you to be a saint. It's possible for me to be a saint, not because we are good, but because God loves us and his grace is sufficient for us and his power is beyond our imagination. You can be a saint. You can be one of the holy ones. You can look like Jesus. When we started this series on worship, I told you that worship is not primarily about us, that worship is primarily about God. And I also told you That when we look at worship, I hope we see that the ways that worship shapes our entire lives and sits at the core of who we are. So this week, I want to bring those ideas together. That if worship is not about us, it's about God. And if worship is a window into our lives, and not just what we do for an hour on Sunday mornings, then our lives themselves are not about us. Our lives are held in God. Our lives are about God's life. You have died in your baptism, and you have been raised into new life with Christ. You are his. So the question is not, what will they say about you at your funeral? The question is, what will people have to say about God at your funeral because of God's life that they see in you? In other words, All Saints Day is not a call to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be better. It's a call to fall into the life-giving arms of the Lord where his mercy is sufficient, where his power is made obvious in your weakness. The call to become a saint is not of your will or your effort, 
but by God's grace, you can be a saint. And you might say, Brother Chad, you don't know what a mess my life is. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what lies I've told. You don't know who it is that I have hurt. You don't know what I've stolen. You don't know what substances have a hold on me right now. You don't know my lust, my pride, the way my anger overwhelms me. And I might not know all of those things, but Jesus does. And still he sees fit to call you his father's daughter. To call you his father's son. And to offer his life to make it so. What you will be is not yet obvious. But when Jesus shows up, as unlikely as it may seem right now, in Christ you and I will look like him. And being God's children is not something that's on hold. It's something that is true of us now. That is what we are. He invites us into abiding with him now. This is what Jesus says in that passage that we read from Matthew as Jesus speaks his last words in the Gospel of Matthew after he's died his gruesome death on the cross, after he has been surprisingly but also predictably raised from the dead, and the disciples see him and worship him, and some of them doubt their eyes altogether. Is it true that Jesus is raised and with them? In that moment... In that present moment, Jesus says, with all the authority of earth and heaven, go. Go disciple people of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And remember, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Go and disciple them. Enter into relationships with them where you can say, follow me as I have followed Jesus. Baptize them. Initiate them into the grace of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey the commandments. Bring them into death and new life through baptism and teach them how to live that new life by the commandments of God. Initiate them and teach them how to respond. Jesus isn't abandoning us. Jesus is equipping us to do the work that he has started. We can be saints. God can turn your life around. Maybe God has turned your life around and you need to be telling that story. God can turn your life around and God can use you as a part of his mission to the whole world. Baptizing and teaching. The last thing that we do in worship in the fourfold order is to be sent forth. God gathers us together. God speaks to us. God's grace enables us to respond. Gather, proclamation, response. And then the last thing that we do is we are sent forth in the blessing and grace of God to be his body in the world. We are sent forth to serve. And as we leave, 
each week in normal times, we follow the light of Christ out. Just as we follow the light of Christ in, reckoning with the fact that we are a pilgrim people still on the move, and God's light brings all of us together, so God's light leads us out where we go to serve. We follow the light of Christ that goes ahead of us, leading us and guiding us and directing us where God would have us to be so that we can be about his business. And we carry the light of Christ in our own bodies, temples of the Holy Spirit, ready to be agents of God's mission. We are sent forth following the light of Christ and bearing the light of Christ to the world. We do this every Sunday. And when our days are finished, when we die, we die as those who go forth to live. When the last words of blessing are spoken over our lives, we are sent forth to depart in peace, to do the thing that we were always made for, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And this is what we do on All Saints Day. We say, we saw God's life in the lives of the saints who have gone before us. We don't deny the pain of their deaths, but we also celebrate that they showed Jesus to us. And in that, we're confident that when we see them again, they are going to look remarkably like Jesus. And we are going to see Jesus for who he is. And we too are going to look remarkably like him, reflecting his glory back to him. So don't worry about what they're going to say when you die about you. But do let your faith drive you so boldly and extravagantly that your life doesn't make any sense apart from the grace and power and faithfulness of God. In life and in death, in life beyond death, you are God's and God is with us. This is the way to be a saint. Live as those who are prepared to die and die as those who are sent forth to live. Live like the saints and help others become saints too. This is the mission of Jesus Christ, to make all of God's children like him, to make you into a saint, and then to lead you as you disciple others into being saints too. All Saints Day and every day, this is the calling of the church. Baptize them, teach them to be obedient and remember that God is with you in Jesus Christ until the end of the age when you will become like him. You, your life, is held in God. And by his grace, you can be a saint. Amen. Thanks for engaging with us in worship today. We pray that it's been a blessing to you and that you've experienced God's grace through this virtual ministry. 
All scripture readings are from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and are used with permission. We pray that as you go forth today to live the gospel, that you will go forth as those whose lives have been changed by God and as those who expect God to use you to change the lives of other people. Go in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.